0: go ahead and open up your Bibles to Ephesians 6. I uh, want to make sure that we have enough time to cover what I want to talk to you about this morning because I totally changed where I was supposed to go uh, originally. So this is a message that I feel like God really wants us to hear and it fits in perfectly with our series that we've been. If you're a guest, incredibly grateful that you're here or tuning in online. We've been in the series called Bodybuilding and it's about training up the body, uh, the body of Christ, the church, right? We're called to train up to be spiritually mature and this is an area that we've got to grow up in. And so as we turn to Ephesians 6, let me just give you a little uh, understanding of the book of Ephesians. Paul is talking to the church of Ephesus and so the first 3 chapters he's saying, "Hey, for those of you uh, that have now accepted Jesus as your savior, you're you're now a brand new creation. You're no longer a foreigner, you're no longer a stranger. You are now a new creation." And so then he goes on and he says, you're you're, you're redeemed and you're accepted and you've been given this incredible eternal inheritance. And then as he comes to the first part of of chapter 4, he now lets us know, because of this new life that you have in Christ, you have been given the Spirit of God. Now live it. Live like you know and walk with Jesus. Live out this new life that Christ has now given you. And so he wants you to now live it. So chapters 4, 5, and the very first part of chapter 6 are really about how to live out the Christian life personally, with a spouse, with your kids, with parents, like in all these different relationships. And then he gets to verse 10. And Paul, as a caring spiritual father, is talking to his spiritual family, the church, us as believers, and he's wanting you to understand there is a very real spiritual battle. We need to understand. He's saying, listen, this, this, you need to realize that you are in a real battle with a supernatural angelic being who fell from heaven, took a third of the angels, and his whole goal, his whole strategy is to destroy your life. His whole strategy is to ruin your marriage, is to ruin your kids, is to try to split his church. He wants you to realize, he wants you to feel overwhelmed, he wants you to feel deceived, he wants you to feel so anxious that you can't function. Like these are all the things that the enemy wants to hit you with. He wants you to be so ineffective in this new relationship that we have with Jesus that you will discredit the message of Jesus through the way that you live or the way that you doubt. And this is what Paul is trying to help us understand. Hey, you're a new creation and just know that now that you're a new creation in Christ, you have an enemy that wants to destroy you. Welcome to Sight Life Church, right? I mean, but that's, that's what Paul's getting at. And so as he's trying to help us understand, Paul is saying, listen, because you are in a real battle, because you are having an enemy, put the chin strap on and buckle up because you are in a war. And so he tells us, Ephesians chapter 6, go ahead and drop down to verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord And in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, even though it feels like it at times, right? For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given to you by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So in your notes, here's the thing I want you to write down. You, can, you, you got them online as well. Here's what I want you to write down. You are in a war. This is not to be taken lightly. You are in a spiritual Battle and Paul reminds us, hey, it's not against flesh and blood. I know that when you're in the thick of it, when you're arguing with your spouse, when you're when you're having disagreements and arguments with your kids, when you feel like all of life's per, you know, it's just you know, just fleeting your bank account is down to it. Like all I know it feels like you're in a battle with flesh and blood, but what Paul's saying, he's reminding us, no, 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 it's against the powers of of darkness. This is not a joke. This is not a cartoon with a little guy in a red suit with a pitchfork. This is not about a, some cool Marvel movie. He's saying, You and I face an enemy whose whole goal is to destroy you and, and at a minimum, discredit you. And so, the second thing that we see from Paul in these first few verses is that not only are we in a war, but you need to prepare by putting on the full armor. Putting on the full armor of God. And I've already done a whole series on spiritual warfare, and I've gone through and I've walked through all the different things, and this morning I just don't have time because I want to focus on something else. But each one of those pieces that you are to put on, is absolutely essential in being able to withstand the fiery darts that our enemy wants to take you out with. And so each day, each day, as, you, as we try to take kingdom ground, as each day as you leave your house and you live out the Christian life, and those darts, those arrows are flying And you need to put on the full armor so that you are prepared. And then then Paul comes to verse 18. He says, Praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert. We're going to come back to that. With all perseverance, making supplication. Supplication means requests. For all the saints, he's talking about for all the believers, and also for me, that words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And see, it's so easy to miss or gloss over what Paul's talking about because we often will focus on the first seven, you know, 10 through 17 and we'll we'll look at the armor and the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the sho- you know the shoes that are ready to take the gospel out and the shield of faith and the sword which is the scriptures right? we focus on all those things and those are important and then we gloss over one of the most critical weapons that God has given us to fight an enemy in this war. And it's prayer. And that's the third thing. I want you to pray like your life depends on it. We need to be praying like our lives depend on it. See, this is the kind of prayer that breaks down walls. This is the kind of prayer that restores relationships. These are the these these, these aren't, you know, just casual prayers. We're not talking about bedtime prayers. We're not talking about mealtime prayers. We're talking about battlefield praying. Like where we are literally on the front lines against an enemy fighting back against what the enemy wants to do to take you and your family out, and you are going to be praying earnestly against it. Where all of a sudden, you see, when you pray, you're praying for healing. You're praying that addictions get broken. You're praying for your friends and your family members and your coworkers and your neighbors begin to have a relationship with Jesus. It comes back to praying like your life depends on it. See, Paul says, we're in a war. This is a battle, and we need to petition God at all times. And you say, well, how? Well, he tells us. He says, in the Spirit. Well, what does that even really mean? It means that our prayers, then, are directed and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we pray in such a way, through the Spirit, that God does supernatural things. Now, if you ask me, well, Bob, okay, that's great, but, like, how does that work? I don't really know. I'm going to be honest. I, like, seriously, the sovereignty of God, the free will of men, and this unseen spiritual world, like, how do all those things intertwine and God does? I can't fully explain all of it. it it's literally a mystery. However, what we do know is we're commanded to pray that there's a real battle, God's on the throne, and we're commanded to pray. And pray in such a way that radical change occurs. See, Jesus shows us this, right? He, he shows us how prayer has a direct impact on spiritual warfare, in Mark 9, 29, the disciples, you might be familiar with it. In fact, uh, the guys were praying with me before earlier, and, and, and Ben would literally prayed this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to actually talk about this. The disciples were, were talking, uh, going back. They went out to, to uh, cast out demons, and it didn't seem to work. And so they come back to Jesus, and they're like, hey, you know, we're trying to cast out demons, and it's not working. And Jesus specifically says in Mark 9, 29, this kind cannot be driven out but through prayer. Like there are certain things that only prayer is going to accomplish prayer and the deliverance of people who are going through spiritual attacks. Again, some of you might be going, uh, some of you might be experiencing, some of you might be under this, the spiritual attack, and God is commanding you and even others to pray for deliverance. And again, if you go back to what Jesus modeled in, in Luke chapter 22, Jesus is telling Peter, listen to this, Simon, Simon, behold, this is Jesus speaking, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. See, prayer is absolutely essential when we're going through spiritual attack. So the question is, why is it so often not used in our lives? It's almost a last resort. Like you tried this, and you went to this person, and you talked to that person, and you tried that, and you read this, and then, you know, I don't know, I guess, I guess what's left is I can pray. Like at what point do we see it? Think about it. If Jesus used prayer to overcome spiritual attack, and he's the son of God, then why wouldn't we think it would be absolutely essential for us. And listen, if you're struggling to give in to temptation, if you're struggling with any kind of addiction, if you're struggling with sin and you just, seem to can't, you just can't seem to get past it, I'm just gonna ask you, how's your prayer life? Because there is a direct correlation. And if you're trying to do it in your own strength, in your own willpower, you are set up to fail. When we look back over the New Testament. <laughs> And we see the the New Testament church. In fact, next week, I'm going to start a new series on the book of Acts. And we're just going to go verse by verse. And we're going to go through the book of Acts. It's pretty much going to take us the whole year. And I'll stop for Easter. We've got a new series that we're going to do for Easter. But... You're gonna see this in the first few chapters of Acts. Like, like when we look at the early church, and the question is, what made them so effective? Like you see thousands upon thousands of people like walking away from Judea, like they everything they knew and they were taught, and all of a sudden they 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 now start following the you know the Jesus guy, the, the one that was dead, and then he was buried, and then all of a sudden he rose and and the apostles are going out, and you're seeing unbelievable conversion and disciple making. And the one thing that you'll notice, you just go back and do your own research, the one thing you notice about the church is they were a praying church. Like they didn't show up and go through the motions. They weren't looking at their watches to make sure they could get to the local restaurant on time. Like they were a praying church church. And we see after Jesus is gone and the disciples are kind of really, they're, they're nervous and scared for their lives and they're waiting for the instructions. And what are they doing while they're waiting? They're praying. We see it in Acts 1. And then when you get to Acts 2 and Pentecost, you know, before Pentecost really goes on, what are they doing? They're praying. And then when you get to Acts 3, the before the first miracle happens in the church, Peter and John are on their way to pray and then we get to chapter four and John and Peter had just been beaten and persecuted and when they're when they're allowed to leave they go and they worship and they pray like they were a people that took prayer significantly and I get asked this all the time hey why do we see such miraculous unbelievable things in the early church and we don't seem to see it in the church today why? Here's why I really believe this. Because we try to do so much in our own talent and our own ability and our own skill set, and then at the end, we, if things aren't happening, we pray. Just what happens? What would happen if all of a sudden, like, we really took scripture seriously and we became a people of prayer? Like, that became something we didn't take casually. We didn't wait for Sunday service to happen. Like, like we legitimately became people who prayed. And the Apostle Paul in these verses 18 through 20 says there's really three characteristics of the kind of prayers that bring supernatural results and deliverance in the midst of sport, spiritual warfare. And here's what they are the first one is consistent prayer. Go back to verse 18. He starts off, he says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer. In other words, with all kinds of prayer and supplication. Again, requests. First Timothy two, 1 Timothy 2.1 says, first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And so again, you can see there's all different kinds of prayer. And what Paul is getting at is that we need to stay consistent in our praying. We don't we don't just wait until things get really hard and really difficult and you know kind of stuff hits the fan, you know what I'm talking about? And then all of a sudden that's when we pray. No, he's saying, "I want you to stay consistent." in your prayer. I, and, I've, and I've taught this before, and it's just an anacronym. You can use whatever you want, but I like to use uh, the anacronym of ACTS, A-C-T-S, okay? So I want you to write this down because it might just be a model. It's, again, it's easily reproducible. You can explain it to others if they're not really sure how to pray. This is just a, a simple way that you can kind of remember it. The A stands for adoration. Like, you start off, with just adoring God, like you're just incredibly grateful for who He is, and you, you you're able to say, God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for you know how you continue to provide. I thank you for the fact that, that you do this and you do like like all. You're just adoring God for who He is before you get to all that He does. And if you struggle after a couple words to really ascribe greatness and and, and majesty to God, it might be because you don't know him very well. And again, don't feel shame over it. Just spend time in his word and get to know him. Because as you spend time in his word and you get to know him, you begin to see all the characteristics, all the traits. And then when the enemy is trying to discourage you or try to bring up doubt about God, you go, no, 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 no. I know that's not true about God. Because his word tells me differently, right? And so all of a sudden, we know. We know. Why? Because we know him. And our feelings and our emotions in those moments don't sway us. We don't drift. We don't get picked off. Because we're ascribing how great and awesome, because we adore our Father. The sea, is confession, you just spend time confessing to God. You, you tell him, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this. He already knows. <laughs> he does. He already knows. I'm telling you, you're not going to be like, oh, God. I, uh, and God's going to be like, what? <laughs> right? He knows. Just, just tell. Because so much of it is getting you to humble yourself to be where, where you're willing to get down before the Father and you're just saying, God, man, I confess to you. Like I'm bowing my head at the throne of you and I'm, I'm being willing to submit myself. Will you please forgive me for what, what, and you just be specific. Don't go for whatever. No, 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 you be specific. And if you're not sure, ask. And then listen And don't argue when he brings it up, right? Because you know it's coming. Just confess it. It's tea. It's Thanksgiving. Just spend time thanking God. Just thank him for all the blessings. Thank him for all that he's done. Thank him for protecting you. Thank him for protecting your family. Thank him for providing for you. Thank him, like whatever. You just spend some time Communicating gratitude. Amen. Let me ask you do, you do you enjoy being in a relationship where you feel appreciated, or do you rather have been in a relationship that's incredibly demanding? Yeah, you know the difference. See, we want to spend time, we need, let me say it differently, we need to spend time communicating our thankfulness to God. And the S, Is supplication. It's bringing your request to your Heavenly Father. In James chapter 4, verse 2, he says, You have not because you ask not. Bring it to Him. But what's interesting is we spend most of our time on this and we skip the other three, right? God wants us to bring our request. Bring it to Him about your marriage, bring it to Him about your kids, bring it to Him about your parents about your job, about your financial situation, your conflict that you have with that person, bring it to them about college or whatever it is that you have going on. And again, all that stuff. God wants you cuz I have people say, you know, I don't I don't I don't take, you know, I don't, I just don't think it's right. I shouldn't. I'm not What are you talking about? It's biblical. Right. Bring your requests to your heavenly Father who longs to be in relationship with you. But again, this is where we spend almost all our time. I mean, come on. If, if you have kids, you, you, know, you know how this feels. Where they just come to you because they need more money. Right? Or they, or they need a ride someplace. And the next thing you know, you feel like all you are is an ATM machine or an Uber service. Right? Anybody ever felt that way? Come on. Come on. Yep, yep, yep. See? I'm telling you. Here, here's what I'm telling you. What if, I just want you to imagine this for a moment. What if your kids instead of coming to you with requests requests instead came to you and just said you know mom dad i just want you to know i've been watching you and you're amazing at what you do and you and you and they just start ascribing how much they see in you and how much of your character they, they've been watching and appreciating and valuing. And then, and then all of a sudden they said, hey, listen, I know the other day when you asked me to do this and I didn't do that. And I'm really sorry for not doing that. Will you please forgive me? And is there anything else that maybe I've said or done to you that has really hurt you? And then when you tell them, they take full responsibility for it and, and ask for your forgiveness right? Like, what would happen? And all of a sudden, then, then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, I just want you to know, I'm so thankful for all the sacrifices that you make to make my life what it is, and all the stuff that you do. Like, I'm just so incredibly grateful. Like, what would you do? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. After you pick yourself up off the ground, right? Right? But to be honest, and for, for a number of you, come on, you, you laugh because why? Because oftentimes we think all our kids think about is themselves. And I just wonder if our heavenly father feels the same way with us as his children. Like if all we think about is ourselves. So our prayers are really just, hey, God, here's what I need you to do. I really just want you To to answer my prayer, I really just want you to provide this for me. I just need you to do this for me. And I just wonder if God sometimes feels like an ATM, you know, spiritual genie in the sky to us. I mean, what happens if we would just be so grateful and appreciative and we communicate that to the Father? You know, there's times when I'm driving and I feel like God will lay somebody my heart to just pray for wasn't planning on it wasn't even thinking all of a sudden boom and just start praying or maybe there's something i'm wrestling with and and i'll just if i'm in my vehicle or if i'm at the office or at home or wherever i'll just make sure all the distractions are off and like okay lord what what do you want to do like when we were going through this whole thing with you know, going to three services and I sent out a video this past week trying to give you some context and, and just wrestling with the Lord like is this what you're asking of us? Is this what you're wanting us to do? And is this the time frame? Like, God, would you, you speak, and I want to listen. Or maybe, maybe again, it's this, it's this communication back and forth and knowing and hearing the Lord's voice. You know, the way I you know, try to correlate it is when my wife calls me, we've been married. This summer will be 30 years. When my wife calls me, she doesn't have to say, hey, Bob, it's Sue, your wife. <laughs> Why is that? Why does she need to communicate it? Because we've been walking with each other for years. I know her voice. And the same is true when you walk with the Father, when you walk and have the Spirit living and abiding with you, and He's speaking, you know, you know His voice. Voice is the count versus the counterfeit. Right. Same thing of when I get an email or a text, and you've probably gotten this but somebody says, hey, I don't know if there's anything going on in your life. I don't know if you're dealing with anything. I just, I felt prompted to pray for you, and I just want you to know I'm praying for you. Like, you know why that means the world to me? Two reasons. One, that God would love me enough to prompt somebody else to pray. And two, the fact that you would choose to actually obey in that moment and pray. Like, that's the kind of of brotherly, sisterly love that we've gotta be fighting for each other in consistent prayer. The second thing is he gives us is intense prayer. There's an intense side to this. Verse 18, he says, keep alert with all perseverance. This word alert, you can write there in your Bible, you can just put be vigilant, pay attention, this is, this is not the, the, the kind of prayer where you've got a, a list and you say, pray for Aunt Sally and, you know, be with the church. I'm not even sure what that prayer means. Like, just be with them. It should because it's his church, right? Like, like what does that look like? It's different than, hey, help my son or daughter pass their test or find their keys. Or, you know, it's, it's a different type of praying than those kind of prayers. There, there's an intensity where you're lasered in, where you're focused, you're not just going through the motions because it says with all perseverance, meaning you don't give up. I don't care how difficult, I don't care how much, how discouraging it can feel in those moments like you're praying and you're praying and it doesn't even seem to get better. Sometimes it even feels like you're getting, it's getting worse and then the doubt of God, are you even listening? Or maybe God, do you even exist? Don't give up. It's a battle. I remember a friend I was discipling years ago. We were praying for his parents. And he was very honest. He's like, man, I don't see it ever happening, but maybe we can pray. I said, oh, we're going to pray. Took 15 years before they finally humbled themselves and gave their lives to Jesus. I think, of, I think of my dad praying for me for a number of years that I would turn back to God. And he told me, he says, Bob, he goes, I, he goes, I was always afraid of getting a phone call that was going to have your area code because I wasn't sure if it was going to be from you or the police and wondering if you were going to die because of the lifestyle I was choosing. And I really believe that I'm a result, and I'm here because my dad never gave up even when it didn't seem like there was any hope. Keep praying. See, when you remember that you're in an intense battle you keep praying intensely for your loved ones. Listen, it's it's hand-to-hand combat. It's Krav Maga, if you will, right? It's hand-to-hand combat against the headquarters of evil. You are in a battle. And the devil dreads this weapon of prayer synced up with the full armor of God. He dreads you being prepared. He loves it when you just take it casually. He loves it when you're just kind of going through the motions, checking the boxes. You kind of, you know, you're here, there. Like like when you just take this stuff, like he just says, I win. You're easy. You're an easy target. Because you just think you get a little bit of God on the weekend and like that's all there is to it. No, no, no. It's not a game. He says prayer is essential. So there's consistent prayer. There's intense prayer. And this last one that we're going to look at is strategic prayer. Go back to verses 19 through 20. He says, he's saying, pray for me that words may be given to me in, the opening, in, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20 for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. And so what he's asking for is that he's, pray, he's saying, hey, pray for me, pray with me, that God will give me boldness in sharing the good news, sharing Jesus with others. And see, I often think that we pray too small. I, th- I really do. I think we pray too small, and we don't expect God to do these amazing things. We, we see that God did these amazing things back in the day. We see, you know, the, you know, the, the splitting of the Red Sea. We see that, that he multiplied. All of a sudden, 5,000 people were added to the church. Like, like, all of a sudden, we see God do these amazing things, and then we pray so small. Why? Why? Like, what would it look like for us to begin to pray about what God wants, and then all of a sudden, then we can also pray for our families. We can also pray for our finances. We can pray for specific things. It's okay to request and ask. It just shouldn't be the first thing. Because here's the reality of most of our prayers, if we're honest. Dear God, please arrange my life in a way that best fits me. And, Lord, would you give me the comforts of everything I desire for me and my family. In Jesus' name, amen. And then when God doesn't answer it, you're ticked. Right? All of a sudden, all of a sudden, then you are, you're mad that God didn't answer your prayer the way you wanted. And I believe if Paul was here this morning, if Paul was here this morning, I really think he would help us understand the reason you exist. So if you're wondering about your purpose in life, I'm going to give it to you real quick. The reason you exist, the reason God gave you breath this morning so that you could get up and show up here is not so that you could work on persuading God to give you what you want. That's not why you exist. It's not to work so hard to get God in on your deal. The reason you have breath and the reason you exist is to actually give God the glory and to reorient your heart around his plans and what he wants to accomplish through your life. Like at the cross, you made a switch. It was your choice. But at the cross, you made, you chose to no longer have an agenda for your life now, all of a sudden, you're, you were paid at a, with a price at the cross. So all of a sudden, now you gave up your right to live your own life. Now you choose to be a servant of Jesus to where you get to live out his life for you. And I'm going to tell you something it's way better than anything you could ever conjure up for your own life. And it doesn't mean you need to be a preacher. In fact, I really believe that many of you can be way more influential for the kingdom because you're not. Because God has you right where he wants you. But he's saying, listen, you pray strategically that God will give you the courage and the boldness to not shrink back in fear, but to actually share. Like, you have no problem sharing about the cool restaurant and the great food and the good sushi and the great steak and all that stuff with people. And you're like, oh man, you got to go to this place. I mean, it's incredible. But you talk about Jesus. Right? Like, we don't want, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. Well, what if they were gluten free? You might have offended them, right? <laughs> See, there's a big difference. a big difference in praying, dear God, please help me find a close parking spot at the mall. (laughs) Versus, Lord, as you send me out today, as I go to work, as I go to school, as I go to the, like, wherever you're going, like, Lord, as I leave here today, would you please break my heart for the people I'm going to interact with today? Give me the grace and patience to love people well and give me the boldness and the courage that if you open the door and the soil of the heart is prepared, that you will be, help me be faithful to share the good news of you. Like, what would it look like? Like, if we were that prepared? So, let me ask you. Are you? Are you prepared for battle? Are you prayed up? I just want you to imagine tomorrow morning when, when you open the door to leave your home, I just want you to imagine an army with firing arrows, flaming arrows, ready to take you out. Because I'm telling you, as soon as you see it, you shut the door and back up, right? I just want you to imagine. You go out every single day. When you're not prepared, that's exactly, you're just kind of going out casually, and you're going to get slaughtered. And as a church, as we take more kingdom ground, and as we're committed to the mission of making disciples who love and live like Jesus, and as we plant churches, and we equip you to walk in maturity with Christ, the enemy, the target on us, just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And you and I need to be prayed up and sharing boldly, About Jesus with others. And it's gonna take consistent, intense, and strategic praying. And you and I need to pray like our life depends on it. So here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna, I'm gonna ask Chad to come back out. We've got one last. So we want to respond, but I'm going to have our prayer partners come up, and they'll be up here on the side. If you want somebody to pray with you, maybe you're going through something in your marriage, your family, your job, health-wise, whatever. We We take this very seriously. We want to pray for you, but we want you to be praying for us, too. We want you to pray for our staff. If your kid has a small group leader, pray for that small group leader. If you're in a small group, be praying for the people in your small group. Be praying as we go to three services in two weeks. Be praying. We need more people to serve. I want you to be praying. Hey, if you're not serving, where do you need to be serving? If you're already serving, praying that God will give you the opportunity to invite somebody else to serve along with you. Pray for our church plant that Derek and Angela are going to be leading as we go into the fall. Just be praying. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to rattle the gates with your battlefield prayers, and that we would see God do what only God does when his people pray. God, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you, that you call us to be people of prayer, that you, you invite us to humble ourselves and not try to solve it, not try to figure it out, not try to take all the all the stuff that we can conjure up, but lord that we would be so dependent and reliant on you. Lord that we would acknowledge you for who you are. That we would learn more characteristics and attributes about you that we would continue to learn to fall in love with you more and more and more that whatever sin might be there that we would confess it Lord that we would work on just being grateful and thankful for all that you've done even in the hard times and the Lord that we would come to you as a good father knowing that you want to give your kids good gifts and that we would request to you and Lord we trust you with the outcome Whatever you deem is best. And so, Lord, I'm praying. I know there are marriages that are struggling. I know there are families with kids that are struggling. Lord, I know people are struggling with health. Lord, financially, Lord, there are all kinds. We live in a broken, decaying world, and it's only going to get worse. So, God, I pray that we will be people that will use prayer as a weapon to fight against the kingdom of darkness. So, God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.